0: I think that cash flow is one of the best things that you can have. And a lot of people kind of talk through this and think through this process in different ways. So I actually think of it in decades instead of thinking of it in a way that it's across the board the same. So I think early on in your 20s, the most important thing that you need is to increase that income and increase yeah. that cash flow because you can take that money to increase your net worth. So what you're doing there is you're growing your wealth early on in your 20s so that later on, you can have that freedom and as much freedom as you possibly can. And then having both a really high income and obviously a really high net worth is what the ultimate goal is. But passive income is going to absolutely change your life, give you that freedom over time, because then you can take that passive income, and put it towards your net worth. And eventually, once your net worth is large enough, you will have that freedom. But I truly believe that passive income, specifically investing in things that will bring you cash flow and having multiple streams of those is one of the best things that you can absolutely do.
1: Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, Andrew Giancola of the Personal Finance Podcast. How are we doing, man? Matt, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You know, when I whenever I get to have a guest on the show, that one is a fellow podcaster who's got an amazing podcast, which I know we're going to dig into here today, uh, but somebody that's also obsessed with helping people unlock financial freedom and kind of your journey, your path, all the people and conversations you've had along the way. I know it's going to be some fruitful conversation for, uh, for our audience here today. So welcome to the show. And for those that aren't familiar with who you are and, you know, your podcast, your world, what do you tell people when they're like, Andrew, what do you do, man? Absolutely. So my name is Andrew
0: Jancola, and I'm the host of the Personal Finance Podcast. And we kind of started this podcast to teach people how to build wealth. That was our entire goal. And I truly believe that anybody in this world can build wealth. So this is typically um, kind of where the impetus started was with this podcast. And I think, um what we're doing here is we're trying to teach like I said as many people as possible how to build wealth in this world. So what we do is we have a podcast and then we also have a website called mastermoney.co which is like a financial education website as well. Um and what we're trying to do is you know give away a lot of free courses and things like that. As well we also have paid versions but that's the impetus of what we actually do. Um and it's our passion project. It's what we love to do is to teach people how to build
1: wealth. So what do you think is the the problem most people have that you see What's, what's the block for kind of, you know, not only increasing their income and kind of unlocking more options for themselves, but really actually crossing that threshold of financial freedom? I think the biggest thing for a lot of people, and a lot of people don't understand this
0: side of it, is I think money is 20% head knowledge, and I think it's like 80% behavior. And changing that behavior early on is what can truly help you get to that point where you can start to build wealth. And changing the behavior is where, Once you get that behavior locked down and you can actually change how you act with money every single day, then that extra 20 percent, that head head knowledge is where you can accelerate your path to wealth. And from a practical standpoint, I think early on, a lot of people really need to focus on increasing their income. And income is one of the biggest things that will solve a lot of problems for people. Um, And so that is why we talk about that all the time as well, is just your income is the biggest thing that you can focus on to increase over time, which is why you and I both align on buying more assets and, and actually increasing the amount of cash flow you have and all those other things as well. So
1: where did this journey begin for you? It obviously wasn't, you know, hey, I'm at Financial Freedom. Let's start a podcast. It, let, let's rewind a little bit and, you know, kind of unpack your journey a little bit. Sure. So I had a true passion for money, even at an early age. So I had a passion when
0: I was a teenager, I would read financial books like The Millionaire Next Door, Rich Dad, Poor Dad all those types of things. And I started to invest very early on when I was about 14 years old in the stock market. Um, And as I started to invest my dollars, I was learning along the way, I would make a lot of mistakes, like investing in penny stocks, losing all my money, and then starting over again. Um, But luckily, it wasn't a lot of money at that timeframe. And then as I progressed through college, I continued to invest. Um, And when I graduated college, I started off by making $30,000 a year. And as most of us know, that doesn't get you very far. Um, in this in this world, in this day and time. So I realized very quickly that I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I got to figure out a way to fix my money situation. So what I did early on is at one point, I went to a gas station and I didn't have enough money in my in my account to fill up my gas tank. And I was so mad at this situation that I said, this is never going to happen to me again. It was like the, the point in time that actually changed everything for me. So I decided to figure out as much as I possibly could about money and how to accelerate my path to wealth. So there's a number of things that I did um, early on during that time frame, But what I did early is kind of what I teach people now. So we started off by obviously starting with the budget and making sure we know where our dollars are going. But then beyond that, what we did is we wanted to accelerate our path. Well, so increasing our income was the biggest thing. So negotiating our salary at my career, um, investing in different assets like real estate. And then in addition, going and getting side hustles and stuff to increase the income that way. So there was a bunch of other things that we did. And our story kind of started to change as we did that from being completely broke at 22 to our first 100,000 at, at 25 saved up. And then beyond that, getting to millionaire status in our very early 30s.
1: It's amazing, man. Now, what, were you, what was kind of the, the early hurdles that you experienced or that you see a lot of people experience that just kind of by spotlighting, you know, strategies and tactics and habits and behaviors can kind of, you know, create uh, some different opportunity to overcome those.
0: Absolutely. So very, very early on, one of the biggest things is obviously we had a major income problem. Only making $30,000 a year is one of the biggest things that you have to change. So what I focused on very early on was the people above me at my corporate level job. I was a financial analyst at a very large company. What were they doing and what skills did they have? And I truly believe investing your dollars early on in skills that can make you more money going further is one of the best things that you can do.
1: And eventually we... Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer forward slash mindcast that's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial let linkedin sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started
0: got promoted and i was working directly under the ceo and coo of that company And learning so many different things as we had those promotions and as time progressed that income started to rise and then we could start investing in real estate and when we invested in real estate that was a big change for us because you could really accelerate your path to wealth sure we're investing in the market as well but i think real estate early on can really help you accelerate that path to wealth and i know matt you you do the same as well Um, and it's one of those things that was really truly life-changing and then for a lot of people changing those behaviors Early on, just tracking your money and where it is going is so Mm incredibly, incredibly important. And I know a lot of people think that's a restrictive activity, but truly it's a freedom activity because if you can track where your dollars are going, that means you can put your dollars towards what you actually want them to do and towards your financial freedom. And that's what the change and the light bulb moment was for me was understanding where my dollars go. And you don't have to go crazy with your budget, but just understanding where those dollars are going is incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so true. Like just just creating that awareness, it, it it empowers you and gives you the ability to make the next right decision that's aligned with where you're going versus most people just have their head in the sand, right? They just let me try and spend less than, you know, what I'm making every single month when they really aren't even sure what they're spending and it, usually they outspend what they're making. So, it's 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 that like true awareness tool seems to be like step number 1 for a lot of people is like let me audit and assess where I'm at. Let me see where I'm trying to get to. Then let me work backwards from there and figure out some milestones and some, you know, strategies and a plan, a vehicle. Like you talked about real estate. What did that first real estate investment look like for you, right? Like, when did you know it was time? You know, how did you kind of create the plan for it? What gave you permission to actually take action on it? Sure, so what I did was I was sitting in a cubicle in the in
0: the corporate world for a very long time, and I used to listen to bigger pockets. I'm sure a lot of folks mm-hmm. who are interested in real estate know all about bigger pockets. Um, and I would sit there and listen to every single one of them, and I thought I had mastered real estate just from listening to this podcast and reading books <laughs> yeah, and right. things like that. I very quickly knew that was not true because experience is one of the best things that you can have. Um but very early on that's that's what I did. and when I realized it's time to go invest in real estate, I started by finding investors. So what I wanted to do was use other people's money instead of my own. Um, so we went out and we found investors and those investors were going to be, uh, my 50 50 partner. So I would be the sweat, sweat equity and they would have all the cash, um, and invest in the property. So we got two investors together who owned a ton of different businesses and they basically said, you know, if you can find properties that cash flow, we'll give you, you know, as much money as you want. And then we'll burr out of these properties, meaning refinancing the properties later on. Yep. Um, and and reinvesting those. So what we did was the first one we bought was a single family house, and the single family house was actually owned by a hedge fund. So I got a, some great lessons here um, into into real estate by owning buying that first property. So they already had tenants in there. It was already set up in a situation where it was rent ready essentially, and the tenants were fantastic. So the tenants they actually had in there uh, were great. So that first one was actually smooth sailing,
1: um, and I didn't get my really hard lessons until a little bit later on. That's a, that's a good uh good introduction to real estate. I got my ass kicked on my first couple of properties, right? So that's uh it's always nice when you kind of get reeled in with, you know, a positive experience cuz it kind of keeps you going. So as you started to find your partners, you started to kind of learn some of the different strategies. Was how did you decide like was real estate your core vehicle of wealth building or were you still doing the stocks at the same time or were you you know still looking to become an entrepreneur along the way? Like what what was kind of your mindset at that stage of the journey? My main focuses are always my businesses.
0: And that's kind of, I think, my my favorite way to build wealth. And I wanted to utilize real estate as a cash flow vehicle. And in addition, the the market is a big factor for me as well. So the market is probably um, where I focus a lot of my dollars now, nowadays specifically. Early on, I wanted more dollars into real estate, but now a lot of them go into the market um, only because it's a lot easier to manage my businesses and have that in place as Mm. well. Uh, and then going forward, what we're looking at doing is potentially, you know, finding some additional partners that will kind of handle some of the management and stuff like that. So right now, at my point in time, what I'm considering doing is, you know, having a, a larger portion in the stock market, which is what we are doing. We're actually putting dollars in the stock market. And then in addition, having that real estate on the side and then growing that real estate portfolio to a cash flow number that we're happy with. So that's the biggest focus. Um, and then overall, the business is the number one thing that we really want to focus on. Awesome.
1: Now, how were how you kind of along the way tracking your, your net worth growth? Cause I know a lot of people, right. We get so excited about like, you know, and I think it's been overdone now to where a million bucks doesn't feel like that much. And right. so many people talk about it now that it's not that cool anymore, but that being said, right. Like creating a net worth of a million dollars or more is an amazing accomplishment. And then obviously the next milestone and the next milestone, as you were kind of progressing along that path, what were some of the you know kind of financial disciplines, financial literacy tools that you were using to track your wealth, to grow your wealth, that you know others might um, find valuable? So this is one of my
0: favorite things to talk about because obviously your net worth is your financial scorecard, and it is one of my favorite things. We always have debates all the time. Should you focus on your net worth or should you focus on your income? We kind of do those types mm-hmm. of debates on the podcast as well. Yep. And I truly believe that your net worth can be your wealth sc- scorecard. so I loved tracking my net worth and for the longest time, and I still use it now, I use a tool called personal capital. It's absolutely free. You just plug in your accounts. It's just the easiest form to, to be able to actually track all this stuff automatically. So we used to do it in spreadsheets and I would update it, but I just wasn't disciplined enough to go in there and update it every single mm-hmm. time. And this stuff excites me so much. So I want to look at updates more frequently than, yep. than just you know every, every month or two. Um, so we use a tool, tool called personal capital. And the biggest thing that we wanted to do was see what types of activities can I do day in and day out that are going to increase my net worth with my money? And so that's why we really, really accelerated our our start into real estate, because we really wanted to do that so that we can increase that net worth number. But in addition, uh, we can see over time how much the market can compound as well. So there's a number of factors that are happening here. And it's really interesting because it starts so incredibly slowly. and, And like Charlie Munger says, your first 100K is the hardest. And the reason for that is just because it, it's a grind to get there. But once you get to that point, it starts to just snowball and take over over time. And the coolest thing about that is the more assets you invest in, it really just starts to explode over time. So that's one of the, uh, the biggest things that we look at. And just finding ways to increase that net worth number
1: every single day is one of my favorite things to do. So of all of the debates that you've had on you know passive income or income versus net worth, which one's more important? And obviously, they kind of I always like to joke around of like, you know, I think um net worth is more ego driven, whereas passive income is more freedom driven, but they both have their value. You know, having a, a strong balance sheet is important as you're looking to go and do different things based on what kind of investment strategies. But at the end of the day, like having income coming in all the time is, you know, that I call it the swan money. Like you you can sleep well at night knowing that you've got 100 percent of your lifestyle and, you know, your expenses covered by your income. What of all of the conversations you've had, where do you land on that? I
0: completely agree with you. So, I think that cash flow is one of the best things that you can have. And a lot of people kind of talk through this and think through this process in different ways. So, I actually think of it in decades instead of thinking of it in a way that it's across the board the same. So, mm. I think early on in your 20s, the most important thing that you need is to increase that income and increase yeah. that cash flow because you can take that money to increase your net worth. So, what you're doing there is you're growing your wealth early on in your 20s so that later on you can have that freedom and as much freedom as you possibly can. And then having both a really high income and obviously a really high net worth is is what the ultimate goal is. But passive income is going to absolutely change your life, give you that freedom over time, because then you can take that passive income and put it towards your net worth. And eventually, once your net worth is large enough, you will have that freedom. But I truly believe that passive income specifically um, investing in things that will bring you cash flow and having multiple
1: streams of those is one of the best things that you
0: can absolutely do.
1: What are some of the best um and and before actually i I dig into that, I love that you talked about kind of the the season of you know where you're at in life and maybe how those two things might um you know shift a little bit based on what those chapters are? because I heard somebody say this the other day and I, I loved it. It was on the show, and uh, it was Adam Carroll, and he talked about the. Um, kind of different levels of financial freedom. And the first one he talked about was just like income freedom. Once you have enough income coming in, you're not stressed about money, right? Like how many decisions drive our actions every single day based on like, do I just have enough money, right? And then once you kind of get that income freedom, then it becomes more time freedom. Like, cool, how can I spend my time doing the things I wanna do with who I wanna do them with? which then kind of shifts over to relationship freedom, which you talked about of like, I can truly invest in people and my relational currency in a way that I wasn't necessarily able to do without that freedom. And the last one, which is usually, and I think a lot of people wait for this later on in time, but it's, it's kind of service or impact freedom, right? Like how do I serve others? You know, money doesn't matter to me anymore. I want to do something that makes me feel fulfilled and purposeful. And so I kind of love that you kind of tied that to the chapters you're at in your life or the seasons you're at in your life, because like if you have that mindset of going like, hey, I really do want to serve people, I do want relationship freedom. I do want time freedom. But like at the end of the day, I gotta unlock income freedom first, right? Like knowing where you're at in your journey, I think is important and being honest with yourself. So that way you can kind of retool your strategy and how you can get based on the roadmap to where you want to go. So in terms of like the different income sources and the different ways of generating income, you know, once somebody kind of unlocks that income freedom, now they're going, I got some money to play with. Like, do I do stocks in the market? Do I do real estate? Do I do life insurance? Do I invest in a business and become an entrepreneur? Like, what what are some of the things that you've seen in a lot of your interviews be really fruitful for people that have unlocked income freedom, and now they're looking to play with some of their money and make it go to work for them? For sure. And I think it's it differs for every single person. So the ultimate thing that you have to come
0: to is what are your ultimate goals? Are your yeah. ultimate goals to become financially independent in five, seven years? Well, that's going to be one, one path that you're going to have to take. Is your goal to work a job that you love? Maybe you're a doctor or an attorney or something like that. And you want to work for a long time because you worked hard to get to this point and you love your job. So the the goals are totally different. If you are looking for a way to create more cash flow for your life, then I think, Real estate is a fantastic option, and also, uh, obviously, owning businesses. You can do um, many different types of business. I love like the boring businesses. We had Cody Sanchez on our show at one point in time. Cody's great, and she's she's amazing. And and what she talks about is boring businesses: buying laundromats, buying car washes, those types of things. And so I've been looking at those as well because it's a fantastic way to get cash flow. And if there's something you're interested in based on some of those different things, I think it's an amazing way to build cash flow is, is boring businesses as well. So real estate boring businesses, those are fantastic things for cash flow. But it's not for everybody because what you have to do is you have to manage people, you have to manage the business, you have to understand how that works. So if you want hands-off approach, then you can look at the market. Now the market's returns may be very different than investing your dollars into businesses. A lot of people get wealthy by investing their dollars into businesses, but the market will return somewhere between 7 and 8% over time with something like an S&P 500 index fund, for example, something simple like that. So figuring out what path may work best for you, if you want the accelerated path, I would look closer probably towards real estate, businesses, those types of things. Uh, But you can also become financially independent very quickly just by having a very, very high savings rate and investing in the market as well. So it's really, what are your ultimate goals? How fast do you want to get there? And then choosing
1: the path that best suits your personality is one of the best things that you can do. So... We've all got our our big wins that have you know unlocked some financial strides for us. I'm always intrigued by some of the the scars and the you know the knee scrapes. What have been some bad investments that others could learn from your mistakes? Absolutely. So
0: on the stock market side, like I mentioned earlier, I invested in penny stocks very early on. So when I, I was young, and I would get these newsletters about penny stocks, and I remember one of them, they were talking about. Uh, investing all of your money into this specific penny stock. So I put every every dollar I had into this penny stock, and it was only like a few thousand dollars at the time I was a teenager. Um, and in one day, boom, it was all gone. And that was the small one that taught me a lot about market investing. So now the way I invest in the market specifically is just buying index funds, low-cost index funds, just, just uh, automatically investing those dollars into there. But a big one that I had on the real estate side was my second property. That was the one that truly... Um, Gave me a lot of headaches, and what happened was I bought a duplex for a struggling a struggling landlord. That's one of my favorite ways to buy properties is find a struggling landlord, take over the property, and improve it. But this was my first one that I actually did. So we bought a duplex from this struggling landlord. Uh, they had tenants on each side, and they said the tenants were paying. We went through all the financial statements, all those things. We closed on the property, and once we get a hold of the property, we realized very quickly that these tenants had not been paying. Um, but in addition. We go into one of the properties and one of the tenants in a one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment on this duplex had over 14 cats, 13 dogs, and 17 fish tanks. So we (laughs) saw when we went to go tour the property, originally they had all this taken out. And then um, when we went back, they had it all back into the the unit. So um, it was one of those things that they kind of had a a shadow effect on this where we didn't see it when we were touring the property. And then they they brought all their animals back. So – We got there and neither side of the tenants were paying and they completely had trashed it since we were doing our due diligence process. Um, And this was the one where we really just had a ton of issues with these tenants. We tried to work with them, tried to go through the process of uh, making sure they can get up to date and they just hadn't done it yet. So um, eventually, unfortunately, we had to do the eviction process with these tenants. But when we evicted them, they left all of their animals. So every every (laughs) portion of their animals were there. So we had to, you know, call the Humane society and a bunch of other folks and they came and they found homes for all these animals and um, went through the whole process. But that was a headache. But beyond that, um, a few months later, we got our own tenants in. we remodeled the whole property, got our own tenants in. And then all of a sudden the pipes kept exploding. So toilets were exploding in in the uh, in the bathrooms and things like that. We found out that the plumbing system way down was built in the 1950s and it was all corroded. Um, and so all the pipes had burst essentially, and we're in Florida. So it's not like it's a freezing situation. It's just one of those things, um, where we should have done our due diligence on the pipes as well. And and that was something we added to our checklist later. So that ended up costing us another $10,000. So there was a number of things on that property. It was just over and over again like that, that we just had almost all of our learning experiences. But what it did was it bulletproofed our systems because after all of these things happen, they're not going to happen again. That's what we kind of wanted to make sure of. Yep. Um, so that was the one that really was a major headache. And now we finally, you know, got that to profitability. We recently sold that property to, we wanted to level up to some other, other properties, but, uh, we finally got it to profitability
1: towards the end. And most of that was just luck because of the market appreciation. Yeah, man. I mean, those, those stories are all they, and what's awesome is those are the stories that ultimately, even though there's that short-term pain, it's the long-term value of that lesson that as long as you don't quit and you continue to keep buying properties, you know what you're going to do due diligence on and never overlook again, right? And just that pain creates an opportunity to lean in and find a way, like you said, to bulletproof your systems, your mindset's different, you know, how you're going to go about approaching the next investment is something that's going to serve you for the rest of your investing career. And so many people just give up, you know, when they, they, they hit that wall, right? Because it is painful. I mean, I had my, my biggest loss was a $200,000 investment. And it was uh when it was a development play that I was doing um in San Francisco and a lot of laws and stuff that I was, you know, flipping a lot of houses in the Sacramento area. And I was like, I'm gonna go out into San Francisco, price points, you know, three times as much. Like, same shit. Well, I got this. And I ended up getting my my ass handed to me on this one property because there was all of these different actual ordinances and laws that had nothing to do with the skill set of flipping. It was kind of on the you know, municipal side and the, you know, the process of, you know, permitting and a lot of the reporting and things that they do and the timelines around it that I just, you know, I I didn't do my due diligence on. Right. So like that research and that investment in the things. And I think for me, the, the big lesson there too, was like, um, to check your ego and, and be humble and, and understand that every deal is a little bit different, right? Like when you go and I'm sure look at, you know, the analysis and due diligence on a business, if it's in one industry versus the next, like there's different caveats to that business investment that you got to kind of take into account. So those, those lessons, they'll always end up serving to be fruitful. Cause I look at like some of my developments that I've been doing since then, and I haven't made that same mistake again, but that $200,000 lesson was painful enough to, you know, make sure that, uh, I did not make that same mistake over and over again, which I think is, you know, is important because most people just give up.
0: Exactly. And I think for that specific reason, like I look at that property, especially the losses we were taking very early on, I look at it as it actually ended up making me money because of the lessons I've learned. I've avoided so many different things just because things happened to me in that property um, that have absolutely probably made, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars beyond um, what those lessons cost. So it was, the ROI was just getting, you know, a real education in real estate. And luckily it was my, that was my second property. So at least it happened very early on. Um, so now we, we won't make those mistakes again, but that was one of the highest ROIs is actually making a mistake, which is very interesting.
1: Yeah. So true. So talking about your podcast and how that all came about, what, what was it that inspired you to create the personal finance podcast? And maybe we could unpack a little bit about how successful it's been being that so many people are intrigued by podcasts, more and more people listening to podcasts every day, more and more people wanting to start podcasts every day. What was it that brought you into the podcasting world? So uh, in 2020, this thing called
0: COVID-19 happened, and I had a little extra <laughs> time on my hands. And um, very early on, we had a blog. It was just a very small blog and it, with niche content talking about personal finance. But it was my passion to talk about this stuff because I think it was um, something that it's just something that ignites a fire in my gut. It's one of the things that just is the, the most important thing to me. So um, we started the podcast very early on, not expecting much um, in June of 2020. And as we started the podcast, for like the first six months, I think my wife and my mom were probably the only two people that actually listened to the podcast. <laughs> um, and then over time, it started to slowly grow. And as it started to slowly grow, uh, we started to see our listeners start to share the podcast over and over again. And um, it was one of those things that, you know, within the first year, we had 100,000 downloads every single month. And we were really excited about that. So we decided to really work on honing our craft and getting better at the podcasting side of, of our business. Um, and now we're in about year two and a half, and we're between three hundred to four hundred thousand downloads a month, and and growing every month. So we're really excited about the the growth of the podcast, and all of it has been organic. So um, it's one of those things where we can see that our listeners are sharing sharing the podcast, and it's really truly starting to grow. So we're really excited about that. So
1: talk a little bit more about that, like going from organic and hey, this is cool to like I got a real business here. Like I I can invest time systems people and actually monetize this platform while sir serve- are you interested in boosting your income by an extra fifty thousand dollars this year if so you're going to love what i've got in store for you i am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable To making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network people in the process? Like, what was your mindset of, hey, I just want to create a podcast because I got time on my hands to like, I got a real business here. And, and what, what was that shift? And how have you kind of leaned into that to create a real business out of it? So early on, and I should have
0: started the business side of it much earlier, I didn't realize how much of a business it could actually be where podcasting is something where it is amazing how much how much potential is there. Yeah, um, there's so many different things that you can do. So very early on, I was at 100,000 downloads and still not making money on the podcast. Um, and I I realized about a year, year and a half ago or so um, that we could actually start making money. So when we got over 100,000 downloads, people were talking to me and I was, you know, talking to some other people in the space and they were saying, you're not making any money on this. How are you not making any money on this? So then I started to look into it and I would start to sell my own ads and I didn't know what the pricing of ads should be. Um, and so we went through that process and I was way selling ads and, and kind of going through um, all those growing pains that a lot of people have uh, early on in business. And then after that, we finally, um, you know, reached out to to Media and Heather and uh, I know Matt, you know them as well. Um, and when we, when we started to work with them, then we saw, oh, this has a lot of potential to start really making money. And so as our income grew there, then we started to create, um, courses and things like that. So we're launching a bunch of courses, uh, next month. And we're, we're really excited about that free courses and all those other things as well. Uh, but there's so many different, uh, there's so many different money-making avenues in podcasting that it really is truly a business that is, that is growing every single month. And in fact, it's our main focus, um, right now is actually growing the podcast so that um, this is our main business focus so that we can you know, teach as many people as possible how to build wealth. Um, awesome. So it's very interesting all the avenues that you can make money with it. And I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, if you just start and you just start to work through some of the processes, it becomes easier and easier over time. And as it grows, you're going to
1: see so many different opportunities open up. So we can probably talk a little bit about some of the different ways to monetize your your podcast and your audience. But for you, when, what was it that you think kind of started to get that organic growth? I mean, for, for people that I know have started a podcast, you know, they, they barely trickle along on the downloads and like, man, how do I, how do I grow my, my downloads? Is it, you know, is it the name? Is it the, you know, the, the topics? Is it like, the, the the person that I'm interviewing. How did you kind of see that progression, or what was kind of the science for you of continuing to grow the downloads? Being that that kind of is a key metric for you know at least the monetization side of the podcast. What was kind of your strategy around that? How'd you kind of sharpen the axe on that side of things? So the biggest thing that we did very early on is we wanted to be a little bit
0: different than everybody else. I, what I did was I looked at all the finance podcasts out there, and they really had like a boring, monotone delivery. For example, so. When we first started, that's how it was two 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 and a half years ago. Now, I think there's a, a bunch of great podcasts that are coming out that have actually kind of changed that. Um, but I think at that point in time, there was a bunch of podcasts and they all had the same exact delivery. So we did a number of different things. We wanted to be a little bit different because I think there was a gap there to be able to actually grow the podcast. We had sh- a little bit shorter episodes. They're longer now, um, but we started off with shorter episodes. And then the biggest thing overall is I think in podcasting, I think your delivery truly matters. Now, some people Mm -hmm. may argue with me about this, but I think in an audio only experience, um, your delivery is absolutely everything. So when you deliver it with uh, energy or it, there's so many different types of delivery. So there's there's, um, deliveries where um, it's a relaxing type of situation. There's deliveries where it's really informational. There's motivational deliveries, Um, but the way you deliver your podcast, and if you can do it in a different way, it's going to create so much anticipation for each and every episode. Then what we did was we tried to model our episodes after YouTube videos instead of actually podcasts. Mm. And the reason why we did it this way is we wanted this to be shareable content and we wanted it to be content um, that people would get really excited about. And we noticed that with YouTube, people would get excited about that content. And with podcasting, um, it wasn't actually that way. So we would actually model our titles after YouTube videos, Uh, We would model the way we delivered the content after YouTube videos. And the reason that was the reason why we did that. We wanted to be shareable content. We wanted to be bingeable content. So we had the shorter episodes to try to make it bingeable as well. And that's what started to happen is where we noticed people would just kind of listen through our whole catalog and they would share it with their friends. And that's kind of where the organic growth came from. So we wanted to just change the way we did it a little bit so that we could kind of get, you you know, carve out our niche inside the podcasting industry.
1: It's amazing, man. And then once you kind of started monetizing it, you know it, what was kind of the first step of monetizing it, and what are the options now that people aren't even aware of for monetizing your your content, your podcast? Absolutely. So the
0: first one we started with, and that was the biggest one that kind of helped me realize this to be a true business, was advertising. So advertising is a big one. it's It's pretty easy to do. You go through the process and you can have an ad agency do it or you could sell your own ads. For me, it's much easier to have an agency do it only because they do. there's a lot of work involved in selling your ads and, yep. and sending invoices and all those other things. So it's much easier for me just to hand it off to, to someone else to do it. But you can sell your own ads as well and go through that process and work with brands that you actually love. Um, and so the CPMs are really high on podcasting. A lot of times, depending on what industry you're in, if you're in the, the finance industry, for example, it's you know anywhere between $25 to $50 CPMs. Um, and so the the advertising is the first avenue. The second avenue is you can do things like coaching programs. If you're talking about health and fitness, if you're talking about finance, if you're talking about anything like that, you can coach one-on-one with people um and you know, teach them, you know, give them your time one-on-one, and you can put together programs for them and help them change their lives. Um, and then in addition, there's courses that you can put together. There's affiliate marketing that you can do. And there's so many different other avenues that are that are kind of coming out now. Um, where you can put it towards video and have YouTube videos there. And there's so many different things that you can do that really the opportunities are endless when it comes to podcasting and monetization. Um, And there's some really cool ways that you can do that, too. In addition, there's also cool tools coming out now, like Supercast, for example, um, where you can go out there and you can actually have, you know, additional podcast episodes that listeners can pay for. Uh, Patreon does the same thing. And there's, there's so there's so many different avenues where you can make money with podcasting and it truly is you can see the income growing every single month once you get that listener base down. So
1: what uh, what is the the big goal for you
0: in the personal finance podcast? The biggest goal is obviously to teach as many people as possible how to build wealth, but we want to grow this so that we can do that. And the 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 reason why we want to grow it so much is like like I said, I truly believe anybody in this world can build wealth and that's the biggest passion that we have. And uh, it just takes that 20% head knowledge, but also motivating people to get there. And that's why we we deliver it in the way that we do is we want to motivate people to change their behavior so that
1: once they have that that head head knowledge that they need, they can get to the next level and really level up their wealth. What are some of the things that you find really interesting right now about what's going on in the wealth building space and kind of the times that we're heading into? We keep hearing recession, recession, recession. We're in one. We're going into one, right? A lot of the fear mongering. but Oftentimes, right, in those seasons, we find great opportunities to really accelerate wealth. What are you excited about? What are you paying attention to? What are the people you're talking to doing? You know, what are some of the things that our our audience can maybe spotlight a little bit to lean into themselves? I'm really, really excited. Uh, one thing I'm sure all of us, if you're a real estate investor, you're
0: excited for the prices to adjust a little bit at least. <laughs> yeah, just a um... tiny bit. So obviously, a lot of people have to go through a lot of hardship for that to happen. And that's not always what we want. But what we just want is, I'm really excited about the opportunities looking at real estate, for example, if there is an adjustment. I'm excited about small businesses. Those are the two things I'm really, really looking at. And I think there's going to be a massive generational wealth transfer that's already happening right now, where a lot of the baby boomers, they hold the majority of wealth. And they have all these small businesses that are available. And these small businesses, they don't know what to do with it. And a lot of them don't even know that you could sell these small businesses. So things like plumbing companies, things like. Um, electricians, those types of things, if you have a small town, small business, um, a lot of times they have a client base already there and you can cash flow on these businesses by getting an operator in place. And so those are really exciting as well, because the majority of baby boomers are going to retire by 2030. So they, ha- they own almost 50% of real estate and they own 50% of small businesses. So the opportunities are going to be massive. And In addition to a recession coming along, um, that is a very, very big possibility, obviously. Um, all these things combined could be massive opportunities. So those are the two major things that
1: I'm watching um and then obviously just continuing to invest in the market as well. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up today, I know you've got a lot of habits and disciplines from all the people that you've, you know, talked with, all the people that um you know, you've mentored and obviously, you know, being on your own journey, what would you say are some of the best kind of personal finance habits and and disciplines that if people were to pick up and implement along the way, it'd serve them in their wealth building journey. Absolutely.
0: So I think there is actually an order of, of operations to to building wealth, and I think there's like actual you know step by step that you can take. And we created something called a stairway to wealth that I'll I'll give you a link for that, Matty, as well, so that we can talk through that. But Perfect. we have something called a stairway to wealth that is actually like step by step exactly. Um, what you can do to follow, especially if you're just starting off. This is fantastic for that. But even if you're advanced, it kind of goes in order. When should you invest in real estate? When should you invest in the market? All those different types of things. When should you build up the emergency fund? All that kind of stuff. Um, and I truly think there's an order of operations. But one of the biggest things that you can do is very early on is invest as much money as possible. And really reduce lifestyle inflation. So lifestyle inflation is one of the major things that can happen to a lot of people. And I, I love to enjoy my money. I love to spend my money. But at the same time, I want to make sure that all my wealth goals are being met first before I do that. So being able to do both is what the ultimate goal is. And that's why increasing your income is one of the, the best things that you can do with your money.
1: So we'll be sure to link that up at uh, com on Andrew's episode. So be sure to check that out, guys. But Andrew, I know you got a wealth full of knowledge of you know opportunities for people to connect with you, learn from you, and obviously you got the podcast. So where are the best places for people that want to know more about what you got going on to check you out? Absolutely. So our podcast is the Personal Finance Podcast. In addition to any
0: social media, uh, Twitter, TikTok, um, Instagram, all those things, we are at MasterMoneyCO and then mastermoney.co is the website as well. And you can connect with me on any of those, those areas.
1: Andrew, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth-building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back, and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to RichLifeAcademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know, who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to Million and Beyond. Cheers, my friend.